0: Hello and a very warm welcome to today's episode of Finding Me, Rebuild You and Your Life After Domestic Abuse. For generations, domestic abuse has been destroying the lives of women. COVID 19, and now the cost of living crisis, means cases are continuing to rise, with much of the effort and support focused on getting women and children out of immediate danger. However, that's really very far from where the story ends. On average, it will take a woman with children at least five years to rebuild their life after domestic abuse, with 90% destined for a life of poverty. This podcast is for every woman across the world who is in an abusive relationship trying to escape, and for those who are already on the slow and very painful path to rebuilding their life. In this series, we'll heal direct from survivors who've experienced abuse. In today's show, I'm talking to Pippa. That's not her real name for security reasons. Pippa lived in an abusive relationship for five years before escaping. I'm your host, Natalie War, and this is Finding Me, who builds you and your life after domestic abuse. Pippa, a very warm welcome to the show. Can you start by giving us a quick overview of your relationship? What were the key issues and perhaps what was the breaking point for you?
1: Right. So um, I married my ex-husband in 2003, left him 2008, divorced by nine. Um, he'd come over from Australia for a holiday. He's not Australian, but has dual nationality. He stayed in England when he met me, so he, he didn't want to go back. Um, the relationship did progress very quickly. Within a couple of months, he'd moved in with me and um, we'd got engaged and I found out I was pregnant. Um, we did go on to have two children together after we got married. But also I did notice that after we got married, things changed um, quite drastically. Um, my friend circle became pretty much non-existent and um, used to restrict what contact I had with family. Um, unless he was there also um, one thing that I did notice was on our wedding night he did actually just say to me uh, that now we're married I can never leave I can never divorce him and um, at the time I just brushed it off thinking oh well he's had a bit too much champagne Um, and we did go on to move to a very isolated area where I, I found that I was totally reliant on him for just about everything
0: some of what you're said keeps coming up time and time again around abusers wanting to move really fast at the beginning um, and then wanting to move into your house. That seems like a quite a big red flag. What were some of the real crunch points with for you um that really sort of made you think you've got to get out so um I noticed that
1: well. Some of the abuse, which was physical, um, it progressed to being in front of the children. Um, So I thought, you know, it's getting too far. I'd put up with it for quite a while and uh, now the children were witnessing it. Mm -hmm. And um, I was able to get in touch um, with my dad and my aunt at the time um, because I wasn't really allowed access to the phone I mean he did break the landline a couple of times because he found out I'd used it while he was out and um, he used to keep my mobile phone on the window ledge or on the side so that it was visible to him at all times and um, so on the rare occasion that I could get in touch with anybody I did manage to get in touch with them and make a plan um, so that I could sort of escape without him really knowing but um but one of the other things were we um he did push me in front of my daughter who was two at the time or just turned into and um I fell onto some her little toy table. And um that was that alongside the fact that he didn't he didn't want his, us to get oil because we had oil heating for the central heating and um he wanted to spend the money on himself instead of um uh, heating the house so again that was another thing I knew I couldn't keep the children warm because it was such an old stone building that we would get ice on the inside of the windows and um so we were I was at a breaking point really. Oh
0: Pippa that's incredible so you didn't even have control of your mobile phone you weren't even able to heat your home sufficiently for the children and then he was violent towards you in front of the children. Yeah, I think a lot of women will put up with things being done to them. But what motivates them to take action, and it feels like it's exactly the thing in your case, is that the fear that if you don't leave, then children will think that the behavior is normal and end up in a more abusive relationship. So bearing in mind, he was so controlling. How did you manage to get out of that situation? I can't imagine that you could have sat down with him and had a reasonable conversation and say that you wanted to break up. So tell me how did you escape
1: so um as I said, I managed to get in touch with my dad and my aunt and um we we planned for when he would be out when we knew he was going to be out for a good few hours and um and then they turned up at my house uh the children went to my parents house and um, we just literally left with nothing I think I had a few basics their favorite toys and um some underwear from what I remember and then I left with them and went to my parents house and we stayed there uh but at some point, he did get back in touch um, quite quickly, saying that he didn't want the children to leave the home so uh, we could all return and he would leave. And um, I believed him. So I thought, yeah, OK, it's 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 safe. So we moved back in. And then he, on that evening, he broke back into the house in the middle of the night. And um, I called the police. They asked him to leave, but as both names are on the lease, at the time, um, he had a right to, to break in the house. So he was protected in that respect by the police. And um, so we left for good then, and we didn't return to the house after that.
0: And can you tell us a little bit about how you actually made contact with your family? Because he kept your mobile phone, and you didn't have a phone You know, so how did you actually make contact with your family at the outset?
1: He allowed me to have the mobile phone on the window ledge, funnily enough, for emergencies. So when he would leave, it was still left there. And um, that's when I took, I mean, he would check the phone when he came back. So you could see who I rang if anybody texts me. But I didn't have any contacts in my phone apart from my dad. And then um, I managed to just use it in that moment. Because I sort of built up his trust in me with the phone, if that makes any sense. Mm Where I proved that I didn't contact my family on it, I didn't text my family on it. So it is sort of he trusted me to have the phone on the window ledge at that time. Mm -hmm. But it did take a while for that for me to gain that trust. Maybe about a year for that to be allowed the phone there. If that makes any sense, which looking back it doesn't but
0: my goodness
1: yeah so you escaped
0: fantastic mm-hmm. um and then how long do you think um you have been focused on rebuilding your life and trying to move forward to something that resembles a normal life
1: oh gosh ever since I left in two thousand and eight um but unfortunately um he stalked me for many years. After that, so we moved house quite a few times, um, and it's only last year that the children's wishes were properly listened to. They're now at eighteen and fifteen, um, so it's been a long, a long, uh, a long time—almost fourteen years now. For I mean, the last five years, I've my my um, family life has really got back together because I've reconnected with family, friends and built up a good support network mm-hmm. and um, also took up a course on English and history. And met my wonderful husband and we've been married for over five years now. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it, it took a good few years to build up and build up and um, quite a few visits to and from court. But um, but yeah, we're finally finally on the right track the last five years now.
0: So you've been working on it for since so 2008 till now. So that's like 13 years. in. Mm-hmm. Can you set out the key things which you did, which helped you rebuild your life? What did you do in the immediate aftermath? And then how did you build up from there? What did you do and how did you do it?
1: Right. So um, I was fortunate enough to be able to find um, a small house to rent uh, for myself and the children. It was within the village, close to my parents um, and within walking distance to the school as I didn't drive. And um, fortunately, with it being just around the corner from my parents, I was able to build up um, a good support network again um, so I could connect, reconnect with Close friends, family that I'd lost all the contact with while I was with my ex husband. And um, even small things such as going and getting my own clothes, choosing what to wear, things like that. So I had to sort of find myself again, uh, my own identity again, because I spent so many years being molded into what my ex wanted me to be a peer. And wear everything. So that that did take quite some getting used to. But once I um I started to do a course, um I was able to be more of myself. And with the, the support network, I sort of started to remember who I was before him. If that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. So um, that did help me move forward quite well and quite quickly. Good. Um.
0: Yeah. I I can imagine. Um undertaking a course and giving yourself time to learn something new and reflect it's it's a great way to kind of move forward now um obviously you've mentioned the children Mm -hmm. how did you effectively manage things around them because you also mentioned that he started stalking you as well so you know I don't think it could have been any worse um so how did you how did you manage things around them to protect them and help them to grow um, with all this going on in the background?
1: So um, as best I could, I kept that separate to the children. I never discussed what was happening at court with the children. I never um, showed them when I was upset, things like that. I was sort of I basically put on a brave face around them as I didn't want what my ex was doing at the time to affect them. Um, I don't know if it's the healthiest way, but at the time I needed to, in my mind, I was still protecting them from him. So I kept everything separate, everything separate. I wanted them to know and make sure that they knew that their mom and home was their safe space.
0: Yeah. Okay, and um, what would the three things you would recommend for listeners to do um, in the early days of a late relationship to avoid what you went through? Because you talked about him moving really fast. So, what do you think um, women should do to kind of avoid this in the outset?
1: I think if you have any doubts at all gut instinct was a big thing that I should I wish I'd listened to if you have any doubts about the person that you're you're seeing don't ignore it I think I explained away so many red flags that I put it down to if it always stressed or I didn't clean properly um I think it's just one, I think one of the main things was I should have listened to my instinct, my gut instinct. And I think if you figured it out that it's not going, it's not going well, uh, I, I would make a plan to get out sooner rather than later. And um, I would tell someone that you trust. Don't tell the abuser because um, again, they they're not going to want you to leave. Um, and also don't leave with anything. I think just, just leave with nothing. You don't need anything. You can get things later without you having to go to the property. And But also I think it's important as soon as something's going wrong or as soon as you think that something isn't right, you need to let your family or trusted friends aware straight away so that they know So that they loop straight away so that they know what's happening.
0: Yeah, I I completely agree. And then I found that looking back, if I had um, kept a journal of the things that weren't going right, um, I think looking back over it over the course of the year, it would have identified a pattern. Um, And I know that in society we're supposed to work at things and all these other things. But I think it's really important for people to keep a journal, to note down all the things that have happened, which have made you feel uncomfortable. And then hopefully at the end of that year, if there is something wrong, um, Mm. that that log or that journal will identify it. Um, you know, some things always go wrong in relationships. But what I, I seem to find from talking to people is that a lot you know, it's all premeditated in terms of the way in which it works to trap you to, you know, in your case, to, um, you know, move away from your family, your friends, not speak to anybody on your phone, not have any contacts in your phone. You know, it's incredible. You know, so I think if people keep a journal, hopefully they'll be able to identify things uh, quickly. And my other recommendation would be don't have children. If you think that there's something wrong, children are not going to make it any better. Um, so um, that's my yeah. you know, two pieces of advice. Um, and what do you recommend um, listeners do once they work out that they are in a dangerous situation? Um, I think you've probably talked about this. Um, alluded to a few things before, but what things do you recommend that they should do to kind of get out safely?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, As I said, I would not tell the abuser. I would notify someone that you trust, a close friend or family member and tell them what's happening. You know, don't be ashamed. Don't feel embarrassed. Just tell them. I wish I'd have told mine a lot sooner um, because You know, they they were there to support me when I finally told them. And I just wish that I had done that years before. Um, But, yeah, I think that is the main thing, just to tell someone straight away. Um, But don't let your abuser know what you're planning. Um, And obviously, if you are in immediate danger, then you need to notify the police. But I I do think it's important to to Mention someone so that you can make a plan, even if it's a brief plan, you know, just to leave with the children if you have children with them. Um, yeah.
0: Um, and you talked a little bit about him stalking you and so forth. How has he managed to make how did he manage to maintain control over the 13 years? How has he managed to kind of continue to um, insert himself in your life
1: right so he's been taking me to and from court um, throughout the last 13 years um for various things small things um it a lot of the times he's brought it to court he's made something up and then I've had to go to court to disprove it so it's just all about he wants me at court for whatever reason and he used to he, he would lie and say that he hasn't heard from me or the children for so many months. Um, and then I'd have to go to court to present, to show, well, actually that's not true. So it'd be various small things and large things. Um, so he's, he has maintained it that way, but recently we were able to um, stop most of that now um, because um It was the final order last year, and the children are at an age where they are being listened to. So fortunately, they have a choice whether or not they have any contact with him. So it's not court ordered anymore.
0: Oh, wow. Okay, so you continue to go back and fight, and now it's not court ordered how much interaction that he has. So it's down to the children and the way in which he treats the children
1: that's right. That's right. And um, at the moment, um, I mean, my daughter hasn't been for for quite a while now because she's been given that choice. And um, my eldest, who's 18, he chooses whether or not he sees him. So, um, you know, they have finally been listened to and they're in a position where they're happy.
0: Yeah. And
1: can you talk to us
0: a little bit about the judges which you've had? Because obviously we've, you know, in the beginning, there was so much focus around um, fathers having contact with their children, despite um, so much of what they've done. Um, And it seems that they are taking a little bit of notice now. So how has that um, shifted for you or have you always felt supported by the courts?
1: Well um, over the years I wasn't allowed to discuss any of the abuse in court. Um, I wasn't allowed to raise anything about him that was negative. Um, I wasn't allowed to raise anything about whether he was abusive to the children in the past uh, because it was deemed as me just um, just basically having a go at him for discussing anything and being negative. Um, there was one occasion where we were made or I was made to go to mediation with him and um, he said quite happily in the meeting that he wanted us to get back together and the mediator said.
0: So can you talk to us a little bit about um, how the civil agencies and the court have supported you or otherwise, Um, you know, because 13 years is a long time and I imagine that you have had quite a lot of interaction with CAFCAS and also the family courts. So how has that been for you?
1: Um, so when I was first involved with CAFCAS and the family courts, um, they weren't very supportive um, several years ago anyway. Um, they were very pro-father contact at, at all costs. and um, At one point, I was recommended, well, I had to go to mediation with him. And uh, he made it clear he wanted us to get back together and the mediator recommended that. And fortunately, he was struck off as that wasn't going to happen. And fortunately, things have changed a lot since then. Uh, But at the time, I wasn't allowed to discuss in court any of the abuse or anything that the children witnessed. It was basically, I had to speak positively, otherwise I won't be listened to. So, um, wow. things have changed. Yeah, things have changed a lot over the last couple of years. Only the last couple of years I've found anyway. Um, but for many years, um, I had um, trouble with Kafka supporting him and, um, well, basically making me go to meetings to face him.
0: And did they actually take the stalking, your stalking claim seriously then?
1: No, unfortunately not. Um, He would turn up in the middle of the night. He left, um, he would hand post letters. He used to leave gifts, paintings of me and him and the children and um, as angels. And he would, he, he left quite a few threatening things and, um, I did report it to the police many times. It wasn't really taken seriously. Um, it was only again the last couple of years that they've actually taken the stalking seriously. And I've been able to get, um, an injunction. Well, I've had a couple of them in place now. Uh, but yeah, back then it wasn't, it, it was basically until he physically hurt me, they couldn't do anything. But now he's, um, he, he would be warned away again if he was to turn up. Mm.
0: And finally, can you share with us what's next for you? What's your goals for the year ahead?
1: Well, um, now, we're, now I've been married for just over five years with my new husband and um, we are looking forward to a move in the summer. We've been fortunate enough to get a lovely house. Um, Somewhere slightly more rural, so we're looking forward to that. That's um, that's our main thing this summer, and we've got a holiday coming up as well. So yeah, we're um, we're on the road to to a lot of good things at the moment. Definitely, we don't have to live in this area anymore. It's uh, it's um, it's looking good for us at the moment.
0: Fantastic. Um, thank you for sharing your story, Pippa. I'm sure that there's going to be a lot of people who um, are empowered by the struggle that you've gone through and have come out the other side and are now looking forward to a a very happy future. That brings us to the end of the show. Um, if you the listener have any comments or questions regarding anything that Pippa has discussed then please don't hesitate to email us at findingmeafterabuse at gmail.com if you like the show hit subscribe so you can get every episode straight to your mailbox and if you have the time give us a quick review to help other women go through the same thing and finally thanks for listening